This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese, and we are pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, how do you want me to say introduce it, you? Say I'm, uh, I'm going to leave you out to dry. How do you say my last name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a good friend of mine and an accomplished, accomplished actor and a very, uh, very humble guy. Of course, you've seen him in, in a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different great shows, but the one that really, uh, really show that I really enjoyed was Flashpoint. Of course, we're talking to Sergeant Gregory Parker, Enrico Colantoni. Hey, he said that like a real Italian guy. Yeah, that was nice. Welcome, Enrico. Thanks, thanks, Walter. It's great to have Good you this to see morning. You. Yeah, I know you're a big sports fan. Well, no, not of sports, but of the Leafs. Of the Leafs, yes. I know you're a big Leafs fan. It fits right in. Thank you. It fits right in, and yes. uh, a little. Uh, uh, a little bonus this morning, if uh, if you're up and about and you've got your iPad around or a computer, we uh, have got, uh, seems to have the bugs out, and we are video live streaming on our website. So, Enrico, you can, wave, uh, you can wave to the audience. We're at www.zoomerradio.ca, live video streaming. I should comb my hair. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> Right, one, of, one of us has hair anyway. Yeah. Well, I thought you didn't do comedies, Enrico. I thought you, I thought you were a dramatic <laughs> actor. I am very dramatic. Anyways, we also want to let uh, all our listeners know that we'll be talking in the middle of the hour with Senator's owner, Eugene Melnick, uh, who uh, was probably out celebrating last night and a uh, big victory for the Ottawa Senators. Why don't we plow right into it, Naz? Uh, and uh, I know you, I, and Enrico were having this chat just before the show. Uh, it was a big victory for the Senators last night. You've pegged the Senators to win this series, and I'm sure Eugene's going to be thrilled to hear that because your uh, your track record's pretty good in, in prediction-wise. But uh, you saw the game last night, uh, and I know, Enrico, I'm going to throw it over to you. You, didn't, you weren't overly impressed with, uh, with uh, the flow of the game, but Naz... Tell us why the Senators are going to win this well, series. Well, you know, the difference is that Pittsburgh doesn't have the top defenseman, and Ottawa does, and Carlson. And uh, they had Latang last year, and I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Ottawa is playing a stifling uh, defense, and they reminded me of the 80s New Jersey Devils or the 90s New Jersey Devils, a very tough checking team. Yeah, you take speed out of the Pittsburgh game, and that's it. That's They're it. stuck, man. It's like mud. You, uh, I you, mean, they did hit a lot of posts, though. You were, you were saying how— well, the tide can turn, but you know, I mean, that's I mean, at the end of the day, and, and I'm going to throw it to you, Enrico. Uh, you didn't, uh, you you thought, and let's let's be let's be frank and let's be uh, direct and head on. You thought it was a boring hockey game. Well, it was it wasn't the most exciting game. I mean, you know, when you can when you've been watching the Leafs all season, 
and you see what, <laughs> yeah. you know, what creativity. Maybe, maybe we got spoiled in you Toronto. You know, and I think so. It's just like there was, there was, there was entertainment. The the fact that those young kids, and when you see technique take over creativity and spontaneity, I guess you know it's good hockey, but it's like meh. Two to one. Well, you got to give. You know what? And and um, we'll be talking to Eugene Melnick in the middle of the middle of the hour, and I certainly want to chat to Eugene about this. Um, you give a lot of credit to the Ottawa coaching staff, and we said it at the beginning of the year because we thought, uh, you know, um, you know, Guy Boucher uh, was was a was a good pickup, and Mark Crawford and Pierre Dorian, the general manager. Uh, I I think they're getting as much out of this group of players as you possibly can i you know from from player one to player 22 they may not be the most talented i mean aside from eric carlson who's playing at a superhuman level right now uh but other than that uh and i guess you got to give the goalie credit too, uh anderson and the goalposts but uh they may not be one of the most talented teams in the league but uh they may be one of the best coached but you know the Turris is playing like a uh, top-notch player. He's sixty-seven percent on draw. Sixty-seven percent. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And I didn't I mean, know who Pajot was before this year. <laughs> didn't he score yeah. four games and four well, goals in yeah, one game against he sure the Rangers? Did. Now you, you know there's four coaches left, right? And uh, three of them have cups and one doesn't. So the only one that doesn't have a cup is Boucher. Well, maybe so it's, time, it's time. It's time for changing. And going back to you know you you raise the point of which teams are still are still in it. And uh, and it's interesting. There's there's a story stories besides the story. And from a Toronto perspective, um, look at the three guys. There's three there's three gentlemen that are still playing or coaching for the Stanley Cup, and they were just vilified in Toronto, uh, subject of all kinds of torrents of abuse. Of course, I'm talking about Randy Carlyle, I'm talking about Phil Kessel, and I'm talking about Dion Phaneuf. And they got out of town, and they don't seem to be doing so bad right now. You know who was marking uh, Crosby every shift? Mm-hmm. It was CeCe and Phaneuf were the defensive pair. Yeah, they got Phaneuf out there. I mean, you know. There were a couple moments where uh, Kessel and Phaneuf were, like, eyeballing each other. It was funny. <laughs> it was like, Dion, get out of my face. Uh, a couple more minutes before we go to break. And I, and I want to follow up on that. And I always, in, in, in Enrico, we always talked about it on, on the show that we thought, we thought Dion Phaneuf was treated unfairly in Toronto, and I still maintain that. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, given the given the um, amount I, of his I contract, with you. okay, let's well, let's go toe to toe. I mean, uh, I was, we were talking to Naz on the on the way on 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 the drive in. Phaneuf showed his true colors that first game he played for the Leafs when he took that BS fight and he started fighting with some guy, and he's like he showed his true colors. He's not that guy anymore. The reason he's having so much success with Ottawa is because the whole team is, you know, it's team success. He's just part of the boat well, I, going I think, with the I rising think that, tide. That, that was, but that, I mean, you, you, you can, that goes back that they asked him to be something um, that he couldn't be in Toronto, well, which, then, was, which was a difference maker. Uh, and, and then he took all this abuse because he was being asked to fulfill a role I don't think he was... Not so much that he wasn't ready for. He, he, that wasn't a role that he could take on. And that's, it's the same thing. They, they expected Dion Phaneuf and Phil Kessel to lead them to the promised land. 
Well, and that's know, the reality. But of you it. know what? That isn't their fault. Right? You're right. That it, isn't it, their it, fault. I mean, and and he was Dion Phaneuf was asked to play 30 minutes a game or 28 minutes a game, and I, you know, and 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 people vilified him because he was making all this money. And you know, so, what was he supposed to do? Turn it down? You're, somebody, no. somebody, somebody's going to write you a check for seven, seven and a half million dollars a year. Are you going to turn it down? No, you're not. You know what? But let's talk about integrity of you know the level of integrity. Yeah. There are certain people who know what they can do and what they can't do. And of and, course and you want to fit in. And he's of course, fulfilling. Of course, but that's but that's the difference yeah. between ego and real integrity. Yeah. It's like you come in and like you're supposed to be the savior and some people think, "Okay, yeah, I am the savior. I'm going to wear that hat, sure." But you can't. You look at a guy like Matthews who's just like, you know, and, of course and, we and, have the same expectation for him, yeah. but he's downplaying. He's a yeah. humble guy. So what happens? We run these guys out of town. And one of them wins the Stanley Cup somewhere yeah. else, and another one's competing in, in the final. But they four. weren't the main guys so long. No, not the main but guys. that's why Kessel is so great because he fits well on a great team as a as a role player. He can't, you know, he's not one to to carry a team. It, you're right; that isn't their fault. That isn't their fault. I I, I appreciate the criticism that they got here. Um, they weren't, to a certain extent, I don't know, use the word earning their salary. They were making more than what they were producing. And they got, but the criticism was completely way over the top. It was. And that was, that, that was the whole Larry Murphy thing all over again. Larry Murphy, when he was in Toronto for two years, he was booed. They, the Toronto fans were booing him. And then he goes out into Detroit yeah. and wherever else he went. Yeah. And he was a value. This guy was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. A valuable piece of a Stanley Cup winning team. And he was booed out of Toronto. Well, he, he literally he was. We have to appreciate. And so were Kessel. And Phaneuf was booed out of Kessel, Toronto. Kessel, not as much, though. Kessel was. Well, the good. media was over the top with yeah, Kessel. With Kessel well, you know, yeah. It's so much fun to, to vilify anybody in, yeah. this, in this market. That's easy, right? But, you know, we are, the, we, we are really bleeding blue. Oh, We've been bleeding. And we're, we're, a long we're, time. we're, we're, we're angry. 50 years. We're angry, man. <laughs> 50 we, years. You know, now, the whole, the, now, Dion wins the cup. Does he bring it back to Toronto? I hope he does. Yeah, I'm sure he can. Didn't Kessel bring it back to yeah, Toronto? Yeah, Kessel. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the other interesting thing, we yeah. we've got to go to break because we've got to get back. And uh, uh, P.K. Subban, imagine if Nashville wins the cup and he brings the cup back to Montreal. We were because talk- he said he's he said he always said he wanted to bring the cup to Montreal. He didn't I mean, say which team he was going to bring that. it with. He's still so connected yeah. to that city. Oh, absolutely. Why would he turn his back on it? No, now? he's going to bring the cup yeah, there. They're, ju- they're jumping out of the windows in uh, in uh, New York. Uh, with a Nashville Ottawa final, that would be Anyways, really well, bad. Oh my God, Anyways, we've got to go. We've got to go to break. We'll be right back after the break, and we're going to be chatting with uh, Enrico Colantoni, and uh, we're going to talk some acting for a bit, okay. if you don't mind. No, not at all. We'll be right back. Please, I'm sweating with the hockey. <laughs> it was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just thirteen ninety-nine for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying... Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And I think it's appropriate, uh, Naz and Enrico, that we wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. Uh, But not individually. Um, like a, not individually, not just like but a blanket, just a blanket of, one. Oh, oh, nice. That's I nice. wish my mother and my wife a happy Mother's ah, Day. That's nice. <laughs> Anyways, uh, to all the mothers out there, have a fantastic Mother's Day. Uh, we have in studio with us this morning Enrico Colantoni. Enrico, I affectionately call Rico. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen him. Uh, you've seen him acting. He has been Elliot Demaro on a sitcom, Just Shoot Me. He's been Keith Mars on Veronica Mars. My favorite role, Enrico, and my wife Rita's favorite role, Sergeant <laughs> Greg Parker on Flashpoint. Uh, you've been on Person of Interest. You've been J. Edgar Hoover. You've actually been Celine Dion's husband as well. Let's not talk about that. Oh, we, I'm <laughs> sure we're going to talk about that. You've been Mathisar on Galaxy Quest Remedy and a whole bunch of other different yeah. roles. Uh, and I've certainly uh, I have the highest re- regard and respect for your work. I Thank really, you, I sir. do. And we want to know how did... A kid from an immigrant Italian family in northwest or northwest Toronto. Don't fall asleep on me, Enrico. <laughs> Our listeners are actually actually uh, may have an they interest want, in, in your they humble beginnings, but uh, acting's usually not the preferred choice of uh, vocation for a young uh, no, immigrant Italian Canadian boy growing up who incidentally went to. Henry Carr. Yep. Uh, North Etobicoke. Uh, I'm sure that when you decided that you wanted to get into acting, it probably didn't go over very well with your parents. I don't know, uh, but I'll ask you that. Yeah. And uh, after you made that decision to become an actor, you you went through about it, uh, and you went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and also to the Yale School of Drama where yeah. you won some awards. Yeah. Tell me that conversation you had. That's like five questions, Walter. <laughs> I know. So let's start. Let's start. You have, you I have throw them all out there, and you can answer whichever one you want. But let me let me let me let me get a little bit more pointed. Oh, you want in my to say question. some more? Okay. Yeah, we had, we had we had we had to throw the background out there. 
get you thinking a little uh -huh, bit. Uh -huh. Okay, so just tell me how your dad uh, reacted when you told him well, you were going to become an actor. First of all, in my defense, there should be more actors coming from the Toronto community, in the Italian Toronto community, because we're, we're demonstrative people, the Italians. You know what I mean? We have it in our it's in our core to be expressive. So it surprises so that. So you're telling me a, you don't actually act? I do not act okay. at all. I just uh, so, I, I, I behave uh, <laughs> in a survival sort of way. But all, all kidding aside, no, my, no, how, my how'd your dad, parents? They hated it. What did they know? They, my dad was a laborer. My mom was a you know worked in a sweatshop. They didn't know anything. I was I, I was a 20 year old kid. Said I'm going to New York, and they thought I was kidding, and they were so dead set against it. They had every relative call me at some point to to dissuade me even my friends were enlisted to convince me not to go to new york until they saw that i was actually getting on the plane and my dad became the most supportive person ever scared to death i don't think he understood it fully until i stopped asking him for money that one day when i didn't need you know his financial support anymore he sort of like i think it hurt him so he insisted on slipping me a hundred bucks every time he saw me anyway, just so he could feel like he had some kind of uh, value left in my life. But uh, they didn't understand it. Well, you know, they didn't understand it at all. Enrico, uh, when did you start acting yourself in school? In school? Yes. Well, you know that again. When you when you live in, a, in an Italian household, it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg. Uh, you, the shows that we remember that remember that show, um, the hilarious House of Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Remember that Billy Channel Van. 11. Yeah, it was well, Billy Van. You know, I was a latchkey kid. I'd come home <laughs> alone. My parents were still at work, and so that was all I'd have to watch. And Billy Van was such an inspiration to me, doing all those characters, that it just became a natural sort of. It was an inclination. But it wasn't until I went to U of T and I took an elective oh, wow. in drama that I realized, oh, you know, maybe maybe I can make a living. It was it was the encouragement of my my uh, drama teacher at the time, and she said, you know, go to New York, and I go, okay. And it was the first time I got any sort of positive reinforcement that gave me the permission and the the nuts to to leave home. You've had some significant accomplishments, no question, and you're one of I consider you one of Canada's most accomplished well, thank actors, you. Enrico. Thank um, you. There's always a point in a career uh, where you th where you can almost look back and say, "Yeah, that was my break." Yeah. Did did that did that seminal moment ever happen yeah, to you? Yeah, it did, and but it's hard to it sort of wasn't in any limelight or anything. I was in New York struggling. I just graduated from the American Academy, but five years later, I was still without an agent or without a job. And then I went to the Yale School of Drama. And that was a different sort of program that allowed me to feel confident. And it gave me the tools to look at what I was doing as a craft as opposed to an accident. So I developed the tools to be proficient at it and to compete uh, so it wasn't until 30 years old I came out of school from the, the program at, at Yale and started working. Started in theater, went to the Guthrie, and then one job just kept leading to another. And it wasn't until that, that show, uh, NYPD Blue, 
that brought me out to LA. I played Peter Boyle's Schizophrenic Son back in 1994. And from there, I was Hope and Gloria, and then Just Shoot Me, and then it was just, you know, I'm a, le- I'm, a, I'm a journeyman to, to use to use a sports reference. I'm a journeyman actor who just, by the grace of God, just, you know, keeps, keeps, keeps trucking along. I talk, I, you know, you know, I've been, we've chatted in the past and you know that my, your favorite work for me has always been Flashpoint. Yeah. There, there's something about that show and it, yeah. you know, and uh, to those listeners that have seen it or, um, Obviously, you probably feel the same way I do, but it, it accomplished something that uh, I, there are a couple of parts of that show that I that I found really appealing. And the one part of it was that it was the first Canadian series on a major American network that f- that was fully set in Canada, mm-hmm. and it featured Toronto, mm-hmm. and Toronto came out in in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Flashpoint make it? As and it, and it was and it. It was one of the highest rated shows in its slot. Mm-hmm. I believe it was CBS, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, how did it manage to accomplish that? Uh, it was sort of a perfect storm. There was a, there was a, a, a writer strike going on in the United States that um, that network television was in, in need of, of content. So the show Flashpoint had already been developed as a pilot up with, for CTV. But it was dubious whether it was going to get picked up or not. And then the producers, Bill Mustos and and uh, Anne, uh, Anne-Marie La Traverse, went to CBS and say, hey, you guys need product. What do you think of this show? Is. And it was sort of perfect because we we did have Canadian sensibility. If you look at those characters, not many American shows talk first and shoot last. But these characters were, were uh, intellectually, in, uh, emotionally intelligent. They really wanted to. The negotiation was really part of the drama, as opposed to let's let's go in there and fire fire it up. And because it was shot in a way that looked American, and because we had CBS on our side, we actually had more money to spend on the episodes. So that makes all the difference in the world when you've got the money to put on the screen. Just, just want to follow follow up with Flashpoint. Um, uh, there was. The other part of the show that, you know, I used, my wife and I used to watch it religiously when it was on, um, and I hope there's a Flashpoint reunion show at some point in time. So <laughs> if you've ever thought about it, if you haven't thought about it, I'm just throwing it out there, Enrico. Uh, but uh, you had remarkable chemistry with Hugh Dillon in that show. Yeah. It was, you guys were a team. Yeah. You worked together, and it just, it just there was something about the, the way the two of you worked together on that show that you guys loved each other, but it wasn't acting. There was there was a remarkable chemistry between the two of you yeah. that that just came through when you were watching the show. Um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with you. Again, it 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 it, it lends itself to the perfect storm analogy because Huey and I, um, he's like a brother, you know. It's like a it's like a brother in, in in the whole spectrum of emotions that take place in any family dynamic. So there was it was immediate, and Hugh is such a good actor and so raw that it was it's hard to it was hard to work with him and not keep your eyes on him. 
So there wasn't, there was never a comfortable moment working with Hugh, and vice versa. Usually you get complacent in your roles and stuff. But Huey and I had such a, a a good organic relationship off camera that when we were in front of the in front of the camera, it was just it was just there. You were in New York and L.A. New York for ten years and L.A. for fifteen. How, yeah. How were the two cities to live in? Well. New York is a great city for a, a young artist because it's, it's an inspiring place. It, it, it demands that you leave your apartment and become part of the city. It really is so vibrant and so beautiful in that respect, and it, and it, and it nurtures the creative spirit. Los Angeles, on the other hand, is, is a desert. <laughs> <laughs> And, but not to say that things don't grow in a desert if you sort of plant it and are diligent about taking care of it. But the, uh, L.A. Is, is is harder to sustain that creative sort of thing, you know. So that's when family started happening. That's when money starts rolling in and now one car isn't enough. And there's a whole trap in L.A. that so many actors, and I included, fell into because you're making money and you didn't come from money. So, like I said, one car isn't enough, one house isn't enough, and then you realize, ah, but I'm just, I'm just a guy from Toronto who doesn't need all this stuff. So when Flashpoint happened, it was like it was just a godsend, bringing me back home and reminding me who I am and where I'm from. Gotta ask you, uh, I know this. Some 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 actors are able to answer this, and I guess some aren't because the. They don't have one, but in all your body of work, if you can pick out a favorite role or maybe a couple of favorite roles, do you even look at it that way? Is there some, was there something after you did it, you said, yeah, that was, uh, I accomplished something when I did that? Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, the accomplishment part is all, I mean, I guess that's all relative, but when you, when you, when you look at a role in terms of the experience itself, and the effect it had on the masses. The one that comes to mind is Galaxy Quest. Because uh, that film was, we, that was released in 1999 and it still affects so many people in a positive way. And the actual event of making it was so much fun and creative and liberating. So if you've ever seen that movie, Galaxy Quest, it's on demand. It's, I mean, it's been around for so long. It's become such a cult uh, hit that, uh, yeah, I'll never not be proud of that film. We've got a couple of minutes before we go to break, Enrico, yeah. and talking about accomplishments, this yeah. is a perfect segue into an accomplishment and an award that yeah. you're going to receive yeah. this week, and I want to let our listeners know um, there's a... Film festival happening in Vaughan this week, the Vaughan International Film Festival, I believe it's called. And, That's right. uh, and you're winning, uh, you're uh, not winning, but you have received, you are will be receiving an award. An Independent Spirit Award. Tell us all it's, about that. We're thrilled about it. It's the film um, festival's fourth year. Um, and what's wonderful about this particular film festival is that it's a short film festival. But part of their part of their block of films include high school um, applications. So these are high school kids making films, and uh, and and it's sort of like a, a farm system, which doesn't exist in in film or television. 
they're really nurturing this young talent and encouraging them to come along to to participate fully. That doesn't happen. There aren't any other film festivals in the world that actually acknowledge the young kids and are watching them. So when we're talking about an independent spirit award, you know, it includes so much to me, like that independent, you know, to be a free spirit, to be an independent spirit, when so many people associate my industry with success or nothing, to know that there, there's so much reward in the actual making of a, of a little film, a short film or a feature film and being expressive at that level. You know, because, again, we associate it with success and money and notoriety, but that independent spirit is so much more, you know, not unlike this. This ain't your day job, is it, Walter? No, it's not. This is your passion. This is my passion. Yes, it is. And as is passion. Anyways, yep. we'll, uh, we'll go to break on that note. Once again, congratulations. Thank Sincere you. congratulations. This week. This, this week, week. Go to the Vilm Farm Festival uh, website, VFF, and you can find out when uh, the issue uh, – when the uh, – the, um, the, they call them blocks, but the films are being – When the films are yeah, showing. Yeah, and uh, the gala is on Thursday night. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back after the break with Ottawa Senators owner Eugene Melnick. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language, no matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on this Mother's Day Sunday. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Ottawa Senator's owner and governor, Eugene Melnick. Good morning, Eugene. Yeah, good morning, Walter. We're too, I, I just want to, first of all, congratulations on, uh, 
on last night's victory. It was, uh, I'm sure it was exciting uh, for you. Have you have you got your feet back on the ground yet? I, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, it was a great game and a nail biter, and uh, I'm just so happy that uh, it ended up going our way. And uh, now I'm looking forward to going, going to Pittsburgh tomorrow. So it's um, yeah, it's been a thrill. Eugene, uh, Leaf fans are uh, wondering what happened. You got Dion Phaneuf and Cece covering uh, Crosby and did a great job. How's Dion been this year for you? How's who been? I'm sorry. Dion Phaneuf. How's he been for you this year? He's all right. He's uh, he's playing well. He's uh, you know he's always a, a leadership uh, person, uh, especially in the dressing room. Yeah, you know he's won a couple of games for us straight up with uh, goals and. Um, other than that, he's solid. He's um, he is, you know, what we hoped he would be. Uh, we're talking to Eugene Melnick. Eugene, uh, uh, it was uh, it was almost, I would say, the perfect uh, road game that the Senators played last night, and uh, certainly uh, the goalposts uh, uh, were a key part of this game as as much as anything else. In fact, uh, I hope you're able to keep the goalposts within your salary cap because they were like your third defenseman last night, and that, and that yeah, went both I ways. Think there were seven goalposts, seven <laughs> posts hit, four to three at one point. I heard. Yeah, it was it was. Um, um, and it probably increased because that was just uh, near the beginning of the third period. So, yeah, listen, some days it goes your way and, and some, some days, days it doesn't. doesn't. And in our case, uh, I think it's a push, but man, oh man, it could have made a big difference in our game. It certainly made things exciting. I do, I do want to talk about um, the Senators who are who are quickly, uh, although maybe in Toronto it's there's such a rivalry here, but uh, they're quickly becoming Canada's team uh, through these playoffs. And it, it's been a remarkable run for this team uh, in a lot of, uh, certainly not in your estimation, but in the estimation of some people, they, uh, they, they may not have been expected to get this far, but they are certainly uh, taking advantage of the situation. And I want to talk about... Uh, Guy Boucher, Pierre Dorian, and Mark Crawford. Um, in my estimation, they've done a remarkable job this year. Um, and and it showed last night. Uh, it was just an incredibly disciplined effort. And he seems to have all his players in the right places. Uh, your comments, Eugene? Uh, with, you mean with Pierre? Yeah, Sorry, with uh, with, with, with Guy, Guy Boucher, the coaching staff. Yeah, Guy's, uh, Guy is a very unique person. And I've gotten to know him a little bit personally. He is uh, very, very intense. He's very focused. Um, you know, there's only one thing on his mind, and that's how to score goals and win and make sure nobody gets at us. But I've never seen a more kind of intense person, and you can't peel that away from him. He will not. He doesn't let down. And uh, he, he, you know, gets the young players very, very focused so that they're not, you know, wandering around or kind of Googling around or anything like that. They're just very focused. This is your job. Keep to the job, and we will win. And he's done that enough times with the the, the, the team that they now completely buy into the, his systems. And, um, you know, that's half the battle. For them to execute the systems is another thing, and they do it very – the team does it very well. But uh, you've got them – everybody bought into it, and um, they you saw it yesterday. The way – I didn't even hear much of Crosby. I saw him a couple, you know, a few times, but there was nothing compared to uh, what you usually see of him. He dominates, but uh, last night he was less than dominating. Eric Carlson, aren't you glad to have him? 
Well, that was a big bet. I remember when we signed him up, it was the highest paid senator by far. Um, well, there was Redden in there at one point, but we had, you know, the guy is, um, you know, a, he's a superstar. What can I say? It doesn't help me when I negotiate a contract or Pierre does. <laughs> but, you know, he is what he is. When he's on the ice, everybody's confident. And uh, it shows up in the scoring the next day. You know, you see Carlson on an assist. You see him on a goal. You see him on PK. You see him on power play. You see him everywhere. And, um, you know, God bless him that he can do that night after night. One guy that's turned into a number one center is Kyle Turris. He has been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love Kyle. Ever since he got off the plane uh, from Arizona, I met him at the, you know, he came in at middle of January or something in these uh, little shoes without socks. And he came right off, you know, from Arizona. And I met him at the governor general's uh, skate. <laughs> he had beige pants on, beige sweatshirts, kind of these little loafers. And um, uh, I took him under my wing and said, okay, for starters, you got to dress up. We got to get you a shirt. <laughs> we got to get you a pair of real shoes. And I'm scrambling. But Kyle's turned into exactly what we were hoping to, and that's a team leader, a goal scorer. Uh, he's got a wicked shot. He can skate. He's got what you know exactly where we're hoping to get. Uh, Eugene, I'd talk a little bit more about Eric Carlson because I, I don't want to suggest that he's taken. He's, he's already a double Norris Trophy winner. And he, I, I wouldn't uh, have the temerity to suggest he's taken his game to a different level, but it seems like he almost has. Uh, there, uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that a lot of people would consider him the best player in the world right now, uh, or certainly what he's been And he's playing injured as well uh, to a yeah, certain extent. Tell us a little bit about um, he, uh, he uh, after the games, he has, he's, he's, uh, he has difficulty walking, and, and, and it's remarkable that he's able to dominate a game the way he is, given, given what he's going through. I have to talk to a couple of neurologists just to tell, for them to tell me how he does it. Uh, to be as um, hurt as he is and just to, to play through that pain and block it somehow, I don't know how these guys do it. Just don't, I don't get it. And uh, he's got two fractures in his heel, which is how he powers himself. How in God's name can he have that kind of speed? How can he keep focused on the, what he's doing on the ice, watching you know, at 360 degrees what's going on around him, and still be a leader like that 30 minutes in the game? You tell me. Um, but he is—he's uh, one of these players that you, you know, you watch, and it's a pleasure to watch and uh, watch him from, you know, the higher sections come right down to the ice and take watching the speed of him, and it's. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Eugene Melnick, we're talking to. Eugene, we won't keep you much longer, and we really appreciate that you've come on the show. But I'll finish it off with Eric Carlson because I went back and and, and Googled uh, the, the Eric Carlson draft, and I, and, 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 I, and I looked at it, and I was astounded. It was the 2008 entry draft. It was actually at the at – uh, it was hosted by, by you, the Ottawa Senators. Yes. And, 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 I, and I looked at that draft list about three times because I had forgotten – he was drafted fifteenth, fifteenth, and he's because you know we traded up for him. <laughs> you traded with Nashville, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, or it was Nashville's ironic? pick. I mean, all this stuff is coming back at us. It's very ironic. 
but like all these players, it's uh, you know, I've owned the team long enough to start seeing these guys coming back to either haunt us or to help us. But uh, you took a look at who scored in New York. Uh, uh, the tying or leading goal was, uh, what's his name? Um, Zabanejad. We just trade him. He comes back and he, he scores on us. You see uh, all these players that used to go through the Sen system. Um, and it's delightful to see. But, yeah, I, we remembered, you know, there's all sorts of people that now, of course, uh, take credit. Oh, well, I saw him first. No, well, I did. And at the end of the day, give it to Pierre Dorian because he's the guy that saw him. He's the guy that vouched for him. And uh, he was then an assistant general manager, and he was pounding the table for Eric. And um, it was just, uh, you know, hey, sometimes these things work this way. Sometimes they don't. And uh, you end up uh, signing people up for big money, and that's when they the, the day they stop producing. So it happens either way. We're just so, so happy that we got Eric on our team. We've got a great, great system in place for, in the farm system. we got White coming. we got Shabbat coming. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting times in Sensland. Eugene, we have a couple of St. Mike's guys on next week, Frank Mahovlich and Dick Duff. What did they mean back then to St. Mike's? I'm sorry, Walter? Well, no, it's Naz. Uh, we have uh, next week, on our next week's show, we have Dick Duff and Frank Mahovlich, a couple of St. Mike's guys. What did you think oh, of yeah. them back then? You know, it'd be interesting to plop them out <laughs> and put them into these games and what would happen, including some goalies. Um, yeah, just tell them hi. And uh, they, by the way, they, they wonderfully represent the NHL on everything they do. And uh, they're very sought after. As uh, you're lucky that uh, you grab them because they're very quickly. Hockey's becoming more and more and more popular right around the world, including Canada. We're expanding uh, our viewerships and people that are now considering themselves hockey fans. Um, and you know, it's a lot of the work that uh, these guys do. These um, veterans that uh, you know are coming back and promoting the game and. Um, it's, it's, it's delightful to see him. Please say hello to Baltimore for me. We certainly will, Eugene. And, uh, Eugene, we're going to let you go. I know you're going to have a busy day today. And, uh, God, it's Mother's Day. What are you talking about? <laughs> i got to get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mother's Day, and we've, all, we've already we've wished all the mothers a happy, a happy Mother's Day. Yeah, Eugene, you're, also, you're always generous with your time with us. We very much appreciate it. Um, we do think, think Ottawa. Ottawa is now Canada's team. We're. Uh, well, I'm throwing. I'm throwing my support behind you guys, and we wish you the best. We need every Leaf fan out there: Montreal, <laughs> Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. We need you all. I certainly. So it's been a up and, and help us. We, we, it's been a long time since the Stanley Cup has been won by a Canadian team. So we certainly hope that well, this is this is the year. We're fighting. We're we're fighting. All the best. So, Okay, take care, Walter. Thank you. All the best, Eugene. Thank you so much. Thanks. That, of course, was Eugene Melnick, the uh, the owner and governor for the Ottawa Senators, and uh, uh, talking about Eric Carlson playing on uh, on, uh, on some fractures in his heels. That that's pretty two. remarkable. Two fractures, and fully disclosed too. You know, he's just like, come and get me. And how, and how, and how he's <laughs> not a, able... Not a lower body injury. <laughs> how, how, how he's able to play at that level is beyond me. Anyway, uh, anyways, we've got, uh, we've got about 12, 13 minutes left in the show, and we're going we're gonna to have a nice chat with you, Enrico, for the, for the balance of the hour. But it's that time of the show. I just want to make an announcement. Uh, 
Guys, uh, girls, it's Mother's Day, and uh, we wanted a little plug for uh, a sponsor that we have is Scruple Salon and Spa. They're an Aveda lifestyle salon. If you need a gift card and uh, you want one really quickly, you can actually go online at www.scruplesalon.com. You can get a gift card online. You can download it and print it. Uh, it'd be a perfect uh, Mother's Day gift. Uh, it's a salon. They do all kinds of great work there. It's scruplessalon.com. Two locations, one in Woodbridge and one in Pickering. Enrico Colantoni. Dime me. I mean, dime tell me. Dime me, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were chatting with you. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm Terribly impressed by your uh, by your hockey knowledge. When did uh, when did you first become a hockey fan? Uh, when I was um, six, <laughs> six years old, like the rest of us. Did you ever play hockey when you were a kid? House league. House league. You know, I was one of those kids that would always daydream with the uh, Canadian Tire catalog when it would come in the winter time, and always imagine all the different equipment I would wear and the Bobby Orr gloves and the. But my dad uh, wouldn't—he wouldn't let me until I was eleven, and that by that point I was, and even in house league, eleven years old, you were, you were behind the curb, you know. So, uh, always a Leafs fan, of course. There's, there's no. There's there was a time else, right? where I where I followed the Hamilton Red Wings. <laughs> we all did <laughs> Thursday know, night. Thursday, Thursday night. nights. Norm Marshall, Norm Marshall, Sandy, Sandy Hoy. Yeah, it was Hockey Night in Canada. It was Dave Keon and 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 all those boys who. How could you not grow up in Toronto? That's why it always fascinates me, people from Toronto who somehow manage to root for other teams. How does that happen? Talking about, I uh, agree. I agree. How does that happen? Here's a talk. Naz, who's, who's uh, if you're watching us internet streaming this morning at www.zuberradio.ca, is wearing his Leafs cap this yeah. morning. Yeah. Uh, you you spent a good chunk of your adult life in the United States. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. L.A.? Yeah, L.A., New York. New York? Yeah. Um, Big Kings fan too, for the time being. I mean, they were. I always, about I always say I was born a Leafs fan, but I, you know, and I, I was a, a, a Leafs fan by birth and uh, a Kings fan by uh, by association. Is there a passion for hockey in California? There is, I think. Or where does it I come mean, you from? know, everybody points their finger at Gretzky. Were you Were you in L.A. Uh, no, when Gretzky was there at all? I was. I got there just as he was playing his last couple of games before he got traded to St. Louis. So I got to see him play a couple of times. I was good friends with Alan Thick. So he uh once once Alan realized that I was Canadian, he took me under his wings and we started playing pickup hockey again and he introduced me to all his friends and it was really Alan who reintroduced me to to the love of it. He, you know, made and there sure. Was a, and when the Leafs would show up in L.A., would there be a big contingent? Well, of yeah, Leafs fans? sure. It was true of any East Coast team. You'd go see a Kings game, and you were a Kings fan until Boston, Chicago, Detroit, Toronto, or Montreal came to town, and all of a sudden it was always a fifty-fifty. But even before, I mean, we forget the Kings of the '80s. I have a good friend Joe who was just born in L.A., loved hockey. Really, just a, a freak of nature he is to really gravitate toward a sport that wasn't really popular. But you know, everybody attributes the Gretzky trade to. So you were there with Marcel Dion, and no, I wasn't. That was all. I was there, just, you know, because after Gretzky left, who was left? But maybe Rob Blake and and those guys for a little bit. Uh, Enrico, we've just we've got about eight or nine minutes left, and there's a topic that's really really important, 
um, that I cannot let it go by without talking about it. So yeah. we better do it now before the we run. The Memorial yeah. Trust. Yeah. You are the national spokesman for an organization. Yeah. I got in, demoted. I'm just an ambassador now. You're an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've been you've been highly integral to this organization, which was started uh, by by a friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Vince Savoya. It is the Tima Conter uh, Foundation. Yeah. And and it and it and it does work with respect to first responders and some tremendous and these mm-hmm. are the overlooked, I wouldn't say the overlooked, but they provide such an incredible contribution to our society. And you you recently were involved in a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work with this foundation, and and a little bit about your documentary. Well, it uh, it all started. Vince approached me while I was still doing Flashpoint. And the people that I had met during Flashpoint were really pivotal in making that show great. One person in particular, his name was Jim Bremner, who was a former ETF guy who suffered, is recovering from post-traumatic stress from several incidents that he, he, he went through. But when you meet strong people and you know what they do for a living and then you realize that emotionally they're suffering – you wonder that no one is safe. And when, when I met Vince, it, it opened everything else up for me because it included all the first responders that we take for granted. And we don't – we undervalue them until 9-11 happens. All of a sudden, they're heroes. But we forget what they go through between the 9-11s and who they are. They're fragile. They're human. But the things they see every day – it's just not natural for any human to sort of absorb and not be affected by. So Vince Savoya was a former paramedic who uh, suffers from post-traumatic stress and founded his life mission to develop this charity that helps uh, – educates, primarily educates young paramedics, firefighters, police officers going through their respective courses – and including courses in how to deal with, with, with stress management, how to deal with stressful situations before, during, and after. And on top of that, we help people that are already suffering, first responders that are already suffering, that are still in the closet per se, that can't admit that, they, that they're suffering, and really giving them an outlet, an 800 number to call. The documentary that Karen Shopsowitz and I produced, she directed, and I'm sort of the host, bridges the world of television and how iconic the TV hero has become, how it inspires young people to become those guys. Because every every paramedic at one point was inspired by, by, by emergency. Or how many kids used to come up to me and say, you make me want to be a, a cop. And that was sort of disconcerting to me because they don't know what they're getting into. So the documentary features all these first responders who are sharing their stories quite intimately and then the realization that TV has been this false projector of what the what that job entails and yet it continues to inspire generations of these people who don't realize what it really entails until they're in it so we're trying to raise light to the fact that it's a it's a calling don't don't go into the police services if you just want the benefits. <laughs> don't become a paramedic if you can't stand blood. Do you know what I mean? It's a calling for all these guys, and there, a lot of them are suffering. A lot of them don't. 
but you know, a lot of them do. Suicide rate amongst yeah, them is huge, astronomical. Huge, it's higher astronomical. among paramedics than any other uh, emergency services. It's really astronomical. The the pressures yeah. that they deal with, and then it, it you know falls under the umbrella of mental health and how little we want to talk about that. So, Enrico Colantoni, yeah, we've got four minutes left. Um, interesting part about your career, yeah, is that oh uh, Walter, can I just plug the the website? Absolutely, the other, please. The other side of the hero dot com or dot ca is the website for the documentary, and we're starting to, we're starting to screen them across the country. Starting in Halifax, we're going to Moncton, and if there's a city out there that uh, wants a screening, to go to that website, and we can we can we can bring it to your town. You're a, a young Italian-Canadian boy, uh, grew up in Toronto, uh, fulfilled a lot of roles in a lot of different uh, genres. The amazing part about your career is you've never been typecast into these Italian mobster <laughs> movies. Uh, how you managed to avoid being in The Sopranos or in one of these other Italian mob movies... Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I know, and we're, this is a segue into something that's coming up, but you managed to avoid that almost for your entire career. Mm-hmm. Is that because you deliberately turned down these roles or you just, it never, it never led that way. So I'll, I'll ask you that and then I'll follow up with, yeah. tell me what's coming up yeah, this September. Yeah. The, um, one of my early acting teachers said, Rico, you use your hands too much. You'll just play Italians for the rest of your life. So I stopped using my hands. And made all the difference in the world, until finally last last year, uh, I'm, I was doing a show called Bad Blood, which is uh, which is coming on City TV and FX in the spring, and it's uh, I guess it's loosely based on the Montreal Mafia, and um, so it, yeah, it was the first time I actually got to play an Italian mafioso, and I got to use my hands. <laughs> so finally, much. finally, finally, I had to use my hands. Oh, hey, oh. Now you're acting. Now, now I'm acting. <laughs> now yeah. I can tell yeah. you're acting. Yeah. But uh, tell us a little bit about Bad Blood. It's coming out. We're, we're, it's, oh, it's, it's about city, the city. To, well, yeah, I hate to say it out loud, but yeah. loosely based on the Rizzuto family. Is it from a book? It's from a book. book. I think the book is called Bad Blood Business or something. Uh, the working title we use was uh, Food Market, which I know you're a fan of that title. Walter. I was my favorite you know, title. I, I wasn't a big fan of Bad, you're right. Blood, Bad Blood, but I, I love food vampires yeah, and, and things. But true, it reminds me too much of True Blood. Which uh, Kim Coates, Kim Coates, Anthony LaPaglia, Paul Sorvino, Tony Napo, myself, and a, a slew of other talented actors. Uh, it's a six-part miniseries. It's very exciting. So fantastic! It was the, the 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 script is unbelievable, and it's just going to be really a great television event come fall. As far as I'm concerned, your career is just just you're still in the in the first third of your career. Not in, so tell you, tell me what roles what what role what role have you not done yeah. that you would love to do? Well, to tell you the truth, Walter, I mean I'm getting tired of being the actor for hire. I started to write. I'm doing a little directing. I direct a little television. Uh, you know what? Those are the roles that I'm more interested in these days and just expand, you know, really for the first time being a creative source, not being a gun what, for hire. 
Then aside from what role, what story? Yeah. What story would you like to tell? Walter, you're you you're baiting me now. What story? You know would, and this. You've, and you've you got, know this about me. You know what got, movie has to be made that I've we've written? We've got thirty seconds. That has Rico. to be made. Is what happened to Toronto when the Italians won the World Cup in 1982? How that event was a singular event that united the Italian community for the first time. Because before, prior to that World Cup. Uh, the Italian community were still considered uh, dirty. And that was a coming out party for us that made us proud and united us in a way that no event could have happened in such an organic, beautiful way. I wish I had. Beautiful. Yeah. I wish I had a lot more time to talk to you. Yeah. I know we've, we've chatted about that. That story needs to be told. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. We'll see it someday. One, one day, Walter. Anyways, Enrico Colantoni. Thank you. Thanks it's for been it, it's Naz, you're, thanks, you're 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 uh, we 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 chat a little bit. I've got a little pet name for you. You're the tsunami of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> so we wish you all the best. Thanks, buddy. Unfortunately, we've got they're going to kick know, me off the I air know, if I don't I shut up pretty know, soon. I so know. I'm just going to say thank you so much, Enrico. Naz, have a fantastic week. You to too. all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back here again next Sunday morning. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.